Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 208 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We are a podcast of science and comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston and I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, Coal, the wonder product. And I'm going to blow the lid on the time lords that live amongst us here on Earth. And also, duck. But before we get there, what happened to you, Grégoire, this week in science? This week in science, we had a question from longtime supporter and good friend of the podcast, Al. And Al got in contact asking about science fiction ideas of putting atmospheres back on the planet of Mars. So sometimes you read about how we're going to terraform Mars. It's not just science fiction. There's, I mean, there's people talking about it right now, like how can we terraform Mars and give Mars an atmosphere and make it livable or at least survivable on the surface of Mars. And this is total recall. Well, yeah, exactly, yes, yes. Get your ass to Mars. All the, yes, it's a, it's a big, big question. Uh, in science fiction. And there's been lots of weird ones. Remember Elon Musk was talking about nuking the uh, mainly carbon dioxide ice caps on the poles of Mars to release enough carbon dioxide. And people did he, please did don't. he hear that they were left-leaning or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so he he was... Uh, were, yeah, they, was were, like, the, were the poles trying to form a union, a workers' union? <laughs> Well, there are two poles. Maybe they were going to work together. And he, he was like, no, no, sorry. I'll, I'll deal with each individual pole individually, but not as a collective group, thanks. Anyway, yeah. he's going to nuke them. It was one of his plans, and people went, please don't nuke them with your space rockets. And, of course, it's not possible when it's not easy, and it's actually quite hard to nuke a planet, But and he's not there yet. But, yes, it, it wouldn't work anyway. And other ideas about dropping asteroids on it, sorry, comets, I should say, on it, so that you get all these volatiles and water and gases and you can drop them on the planet over and over and over again. And this would take a very, very long time, but you can build up an atmosphere. This is sort of the Hit idea. With of a how planetoid we... worked for Earth. Well, that's, well, uh, <laughs> that was, you're talking about Thayer and how the moon, we think the moon was created, like crashing something Mars size into the Earth and then. That is what I then, am nodding at, yes. Yeah, he's, he's, yes. Now, that was before there was any water or any major water on the planet. So that was sort of in the, the Hadean era where it was all still kind of hot. The ground had gone solid, but that was about all there was. The Earth and a something roughly the size of Mars colliding and then the moon being punched out of it and the rest of it sinking into the why we have a big core like a big iron core all that sort of good stuff but that wasn't where we got our water from the idea we think now is the water came from comets infalling over periods of time and dropping lots and lots of water that seems to be the main because otherwise it wouldn't have survived the the smashing and the bashing and the crashing water's just not going to make it through well to begin with actually earth probably had a very 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 ludicrously thick hydrogen and helium atmosphere mainly hydrogen like crazy thick atmosphere and that was blown off thank goodness and then this much weaker atmosphere formed over time as you know it wasn't oxygen it was it wouldn't have been oxygen lots of nitrogen and oxygen came later when plants started doing their thing which is much 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 later oh no no cyanobacteria ah walk of shame walk of shame almost caught myself cyanobacteria yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, caught myself then haha plants came later anyway you can stop writing listeners i caught myself as i as i said it Mars, back to Mars. So the idea is, even if we did somehow make a wonderful, lovely atmosphere for Mars, would it last? Technically, is, is what Al was asking. And Because it's not as dense a planet. Like, it's, if I went to Mars, I would be lighter. 
Yes, but that's just that's because the planet itself is smaller, and therefore it has about you have about yes, you'd have less. It's about quarter the size of the Earth, so you'd have depending on the density. Yeah, you, you would be lighter on Mars. Your, so, you would feel your, you would weigh less on Mars than you would on Earth. Yes. Yeah. So helium and hydrogen would be lighter on Mars as well. So they would it, be easier to blow off the top. And that's a very good point. So, so what yeah, if oxygen, not- like if, if oxygen is just a little bit heavier, if oxygen mm. doesn't get blown off quite as much, but you're on a lighter planet, then that would get blown off a little bit easier, wouldn't it? You've absolutely hit it on the head. So a, little, um, a smaller planet is going to have less gravity to hold on to its, into its atmosphere. So that's the first part of it. So it's going to be smaller. It's going to not hold on to its atmosphere. And we think that's exactly what's happened because Mars, all the evidence of Mars seems to, it seems to show all these water-like structures or water-made-like structures. And there's lots of conversation about whether it was made by wind erosion over time or water erosion. But now there just seems to be well, little robots on there and all the studies and all the rovers and um, surveyors going around it. I'd be confident enough to say that there is a consensus that there was once quite a bit of water on Mars, shallow seas for long periods of time, and that carved out basins of as in on Earth it does, like you have these water features eroded into the very rocks mm. and river deltas and well, things that look like river deltas, all this stuff. So there was definitely water once there. Where's it gone is kind of the question. Did it just freeze? Did it boil away? Did it get sucked into the planet? Like what's happened to this water? It's not just the size of the planet though. Earth, Earth if Earth was just like Mars... We would probably, you know, we would definitely not have an atmosphere by now as well. We'd have, well, we'd have a very thin atmosphere like Mars, because Mars does have an atmosphere. It's just a very, very thin. I'm going to say uh, in the in the order of one percent, two percent, the density of Earth's atmosphere, mainly carbon dioxide. So it's you and I would just go. It's a vacuum. <laughs> you would still have to wear a spacesuit on Mars right now, but scientists go. It has an atmosphere, but it's one percent. You know, it's, it's pretty it's crappy. Still atmosphere. thick enough to uh, form a wind that can blow over Mark Watney's spaceship, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And if you'd listen to Doctor. Uh, Natasha Hurley and I in the one of the podcasts talking about this sort of stuff. No, the answer is absolutely not. There's no way that you would have to, you, the, the, the storms would be strong enough to blow a human being over. The idea that your rocket may be knocked over by the winds is, that would be ludicrous because it's one, one, one hundredths the density. It's like, it's almost nothing there. So yes, it could throw things around, but no, no. The answer is Mark Watney. Mark Watney was an idiot who, who, uh, wasted a lot of money. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Hush, yeah, hush, yeah. hush. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, I also <laughs> love Doctor. I also love Doctor Natasha's hate for the fact that that uh, billions of dollars were spent saving one man, thereby destroying all of Earth's scientific endeavors for at least five to six years, <laughs> including her work. Like, ah, anyway, makes me giggle. Right, so if Earth, <laughs> if Earth was like Mars, Earth wouldn't have an atmosphere by now. It would have probably been blown away as well. Because not just to do with size, it's got to do with the magnetic field. Earth has this spectacular magnetic field, and we can see that, that we have compasses and things, and, and we get the auroras, and we have this wonderful, basically, force shield. So any charged particles that come towards us are deflected by our magnetic field and are deflected into the poles so they're not just slamming into the atmosphere. They're redirected away so they don't just hit the atmosphere and, and knock them off, basically. That's and pretty we- lucky that we've got that iron core then, isn't it? Well, that's it. And that's, that. yes, that's, I'll get back to that. I'll get back to, so our magnetic field is generated we, um, through the molten iron core and the fact that it, it is still liquid, it's quite large and it's mainly iron and it's it's moving. 
And if you have a moving iron through a little magnets in the iron, want to think of it that way, and you have a seed field, which comes from the sun, then you can seed field. It's a strange way of putting it. But anyway, then you can generate a magnetic field and, and it's interaction inside the core. But things are moving inside the core. The core doesn't rotate at the same speed as the surface of the planet. Things are all mixing around. It creates a magnetic field. And the sun is blasting out millions of tons of its own material, which are charged particles yeah. all over the place, all the time. Not just light, but what we call solar wind. It's blasting out physical stuff all the time. And it's constantly hitting us. Sometimes you get really big ones, coronal mass ejections, and they blast into us. And that's people are worried about the, like the, we talked about the Carrington event before on this mm-hmm. podcast. In cowboy times, the, the telegraph pole started to light on fire and sparks started to appear on, on uh, the Morse code machines because a massive coronal mass, a massive coronal mass event hit the earth mm. just before we went technological thank god and yeah, um, yeah. And thank god that's never going to happen again and that we're definitely uh, gonna, and that we're not reliant on all t- a whole bunch of technology now yeah we'd have about three days to work our shit out basically because um nowadays we've got satellites up there looking at it going oh no you know because it, it doesn't travel at the speed of light the light we could send a signal back and i think it's three days about three days to go um um <laughs> How to, um, Wikipedia, how to make a Faraday cage. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yep. We have this wonderful magnetic field. Even if it gets hit by a massive coronal mass ejection, it's still protecting us a little bit. But over time, it's not like the big ones. It's just the eroding away. As you said, the things in the atmosphere get eroded off. Mars, for a long time, we thought Mars didn't have a liquid core. We kind of know it does now. Recently, it was discovered that maybe the core wasn't, it was much smaller than we thought, but there's a liquid core in there. It's just not strong enough to generate this field. And there's maybe another liquid layer above that as well, but that's a that's a different thing. But it's not it doesn't it's too small and it doesn't have a liquid enough of a liquid core to generate a magnetic field of any strength. Really, if really small. If you could spin it up real quick, would would that work? I would say no, because mm. everything would spin at the same. It, you, it's the differential, I do believe, between the spinning core and the the outer bit. That's what I'm saying. Problem. If you could spin the core up. If you could get it up to speed with that form, the the maybe the, the protection maybe. that we need, uh, uh, maybe it, it also could do with the, um, with the the elements that are in there. I am not, unfortunately, a magnetodynamicist, so I'm not too sure. I, I think the answer would be it's too small. It may generate a stronger field, but not strong enough. Like it would be better, but it wouldn't be enough. Would be my guess, but it's purely a guess on that point. Mm. Um, Mars also has what's called a static crust so earth has tectonic fields that are all moving around like our our magma comes up quite close and sometimes it bursts out but mars is quite has these massively thick crusts like much much hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometers thick if not more so we have tens of kilometers of crust before the magma says you know it's all moving everything's sort of molten mars is sort of static though i did read once that maybe the mariana's trench is actually a a mariana's trench oh no sorry the um, Valet, I'm not Mariana's trench, that's one on Earth, of course. Uh, hang on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there's no oh, lava goodness. down there. It's all too wet. Well, that's where the monsters come from. I've, I've seen, um, I've seen Pacific Rim 2. Movie. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, Pacific Rim 1. Pacific Rim this. 1 is so good. Valet, Mar- Mar- yeah, no, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, Valet Marinara. Mar- Mar- Marinus, yes. I was, okay, I think I said it weirdly, but yes, that's fine. Yeah, no, I was right. What did so I what's, say? Did what's I say the that? one on Earth? Wait, the trench, Marianas Trench. So what's one on Mars? The Valle Marianas. So they're Marianas? both Marianas. Marianas, yes. I'm getting confused. Hang on. Uh, 
The Mar- you have the Mariana. It's oh my goodness. Get get your stuff together, geologists. It's the Mariana Trench. I know everyone knows this, but it's the Valle Marianas. Mar- Mar- now I'm doubting I'm saying it. I've always said Valle Mar- Valle Marianas. So Mar- Marianas. Anyway, I don't know why I'm pro- I'm doubting myself. So the Mariana Trench on Earth and the Valle Marianas on Mars. Oh my goodness, that's very confusing. Ah. <sighs> It's very confusing. It's almost it's almost as if it was designed that way. I never thought of it confusing in that way until you said it, and I was like, wait, I mean, now I'm questioning everything I've ever ever known. There's an idea that the the Valley Marianas, a massive, massive Grand Canyony thing that makes the Grand Canyon look like a toy, it may actually be a um, some sort of tectonic fault. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But that's yeah, that's a whole thing. Mars doesn't have a very big magnetic field of, of any strength at all, like, and it's all localized instead of one big sort of lovely one. Mm-hmm. And so that allows the charged particles from the sun to blast in to, and hit the atmosphere of Mars. And so it gets stripped away over time. You would have to put up something. If you made a lovely Earth atmosphere, it would start being stripped away. And when I looked into this, it would still take, if we could just snap our fingers and Mars had a Earth-like atmosphere, just boom, mm-hmm. there it is. Or you could find some alien take... ruins that when you pull the lever, it injects these big things and defrosts all the frozen ice and releases it all and makes an atmosphere. Yeah. Like yep. that. One big one. Well, yeah, something like that. Magic, basically. Then it would still take hundreds of millions, if not billions of years to strip that atmosphere away. Oh, so that's all not, right then. It's a long time. Yes. So to answer Al's question originally was, you know, if we did make atmosphere, would it last? The answer is no, but on a human time scale, yes, but you're not just going to be able to click your fingers and make it happen. You would have to build it, and while you're building it, it would be worn away much more easily. That's the problem. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff there. Now, you were talking before about the Earth. If the Earth didn't have its magnetic field, would we be here? Would it be bad? No, because it would still be a billion years. Because we're closer to the sun. We're getting hit with more solar wind, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a higher level. So I think, I personally think that if we didn't have magnetic fields, we were like the uh, Mars, we would have lasted roughly the same amount of time as Mars. We're slightly bigger, or we are bigger than Mars, so more gravity holding it together. But that's not the main problem. The main problem is that the solar wind would just strip it all away. So we would be a Mars-like planet at this point as well would be my guess. That's my answer to Al. Doing things like having lots of methane pumping in, that's all great, but we're never going to be able to keep Mars stabilized. But if we can do it quickly, then we can have a atmosphere that will last a a while, but it would have to be maintained. Uh, It will broke away. Also, there hasn't been a lot of study, as I can see on this, as in people aren't sure. Planets are really dynamic things. So to say, oh, it wouldn't last or it would last, we know that some weird thing would happen at some point and we'd totally blow all our estimates out of the water. But from what I understand now, if we could do it, which we can't, it would last a while, but not not forever. But And, of course, now, you, you also need to get all these gases from somewhere. Like, do yeah. you ship them up yeah. from Earth? Because if you take a planet's worth of, like, nitrogen and oxygen to <laughs> Mars, you've got a problem back on Earth. I wouldn't do that. I would just go into the asteroid belt and go grab all the water ice, so go out past the freezing line, so you go past the asteroid belt and, like, you know, around Jupiter, or even further in than that, grab all the icy bits and pieces and throw them at Mars. That would be my way of doing it. We'd go find these asteroids, which are just going to be giant blocks of gas, well, not gas, things that would become gas on Mars, things that we would use and hurl them at Mars and build it up that way. Of course, you're going to damage the planet. Do we have the right to do that? Do we own Mars? Is it ours to destroy or rebuild? That's an ethical question as well. But that's how I would do it. I wouldn't take stuff from Earth. I would dismantle the asteroid belt 
and other places to get Mars to be cool or warm. Now I think about it. Livable. Survivable? That sounds like a blast. The other very quick one, Eric Wilson, also a listener, got in contact with something very similar, talking about he read a science fiction book saying how the aliens had somehow pulled gas off Jupiter and put it between Jupiter and Earth and froze the Earth and damaged the Earth you know, with, with like freezing. Oh, to they stop put us. the gas between Earth and the sun, you mean? Sorry, Earth and the Sun. Yes, absolutely, Earth and the Sun Put to block out the solar radiation. Yes, yes, yes. And he was saying, is that a thing that could happen? Well, no, not aliens and not pulling out of Jupiter. But yes, the idea of putting something between us and the Earth is definitely an idea that's been come up with of putting lots of, like one big sunshade, you know, long as man desired to destroy the sun, you know, as in <laughs> um, Montgomery Burns style, a, a big shield to block the sun, not just on Springfield, but the whole planet. Of course, very, very difficult. One of the ideas I heard was you make, we're not ready for this yet, but you just make lots and 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 lots of satellites with big shields and you put the, lots of them up there and you block enough of the sun. You don't need to block, you know, 1% and you start getting a big change. So it becomes like a nuclear winter style idea. Of you're, not stop, you're not stopping all the sun like you're just stopping enough of it to just to cool the planet down to hopefully solve global well thank uh, goodness somebody has the foresight to flood the upper atmosphere with tiny satellites <laughs> Back to, <laughs> yes yeah much to the chagrin of astronomers yes starlink of course um the, the other idea that may be easier but also whoa i am very scared of this idea is the idea of putting sulfur compounds into the atmosphere pumping them full of basically scorching the sky to use an idea from the matrix and excellent blo- putting large aerosol particles into the atmosphere to block the sun, uh, well, some of the sun's rays, and therefore cooling the planet. Terrifying, terrifying concept, because we have no idea what this would do. And these things would rain out and cause probably acid rains. We have no idea what this would do. Blocking this, like, we couldn't even fine-tune it, I don't think, in any real way. It would be a hell of a thing. But here's the real scary thing. All it would take is a suitably advanced culture on Earth to decide it wanted to do it and just start pumping this nonsense into the atmosphere. And unless you're going to go to war with them, there's no way of actually stopping them. It could be done by a consortium of countries working together to fly planes, dropping aerosol over their own country, which would be Mm -hmm. legal. But of course, it wouldn't just be over their country because there's things called the wind and it would start blocking out, you know, on global levels. this This really spooks me as an idea. Here's what would be awful about it. If you did this, you wouldn't get blue skies anymore. You would have whitey, hazy skies. So blue sky days would stop. You, I'm not saying it would be polluted. you just look up and the whole sky would always look white hazy forever, all days, every day. Oh, you know what this reminds me of is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book three, Planet Cricket, where the, 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 the planet is completely oh, yeah. <laughs> in, entombed in a gas cloud. That's going to be us. That sounds like a real right-wing thing to do. It could it could, it could be, it's interesting. How about we just stop using um, fossil fuels as much? That, that'd be good. Well, uh, I mean, the idea is that you want to reflect solar radiation away. Yes. And so, so the heat atmosphere. doesn't hit you. Well, there's a really easy way of doing that because you could just reflect it from the ground. as long Because as, it just reflects, it hits the ground, turns into sort of a different type of radiation and then reflects straight up and doesn't get blocked yep. by anything on the way out. And then and all the that atmosphere. heat just goes. No, not the, the atmosphere. No, no, it passes through the atmosphere. And as long as there's yeah. not, like, say, too much oh, carbon dioxide, it'll just shoot straight back up into space. <laughs> You'd be fine. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's Yeah, there's our problem. Yeah. 
That is, yes. Yep. So ultimately, you don't have to do all this really difficult geoengineering stuff. All you have to do is make do a little bit of political change and stop all this CS2 going into the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, We've got a solution, you stupid motherfuckers! Voice of Reason from Dan Beeson brings the Voice of Reason. Thank you, Dan. So um, thank you to Al See, and to it, Eric. It amazes me that the Voice of Reason is so loud and clips so much. <laughs> I love the idea. I would. I think in the past I may have may have made a comment about that, but I think I've reached a point. I've met so many intelligent, reasonable people who, inside their little voices, screaming. <laughs> and so, yes, I think you just voiced what many people are feeling on the inside. So well done, Dan. I appreciate that. Thank you to Eric and to Al for those wonderful questions. And if you have any other questions, please send them in. It gives me an exciting week of science. But Dan, I do believe you have a week of science yourself. I do. I do. I have a new robot vacuum. My first robot was a dusting bot. And it had like a small black cube that sent out an infrared light. And the bot would know where it was in relation to it. And it would kind of just walk up and down the floor dusting. And then my next bot was a vacuum that would take off and then bump into the wall to detect where the walls are and then turn around and go and bump into another wall. It was dumb. It was a moron robot. But now I've got a robot mop, Gregoire. (laughs) It wanders out and instead of bumping into the walls, it's got a system to map out the space that it's in. It's like if you had a tiny robot vacuum and you sent it out to bump into the walls and then it immediately came back instead of getting tangled in the tassels of the rug. You then time how long it took for that bot to return and the angle you sent it out at, if you know the speed that the bot travelled, you could work out where on a 2D plane that impact took place. Do that millions of times a second and you could make a map of my home. But tiny robot vacuums take too long. You know what's faster, Gregoire? Light, Dan. No, light. What do you? No, that's stupid. Light doesn't travel. You just turn it on and off. Sound. Sound. <laughs> Submarines use sonar to I'm detect so angry. their I'm environment. So angry I'm so angry. I'm so angry. All- I'm so angry. <laughs> Submarines use sonar to detect their environment. They can send mm, s- mm. like sound signals out through the medium and back and, re- and and get a sense of their environment. All I need to do, Grégoire, is flood my house with mm. water. Not all the way to the top, just maybe <laughs> or 21 centimetres. And then I can send out sound in the fluid medium and record the time it takes to return and map out my home. Then my robot can mop the floor by spraying fine mist mm, mm. on a cleaning pad and running over the entire surface. I think that's how it works. Genius. <laughs> yes, light. But light doesn't move. It just goes on and off, Greg. <laughs> so angry. <laughs> and also to you, if you can't see it, it's not light. Yeah, it's dark. <laughs> it's dark. So the dark... The, the, the dark it doesn't... Okay. All right, I'm not going there again. All right, all right. Oh, okay, there's only so much anger that can be contained. <laughs> it's just like... Uh. So, we all know how awesome coal is. It's an all-natural <laughs> substance. Uh. Sorry, I, I, have I put, am I pushing too many buttons today? God. 
I just, it's the whiplash, Dan. It's the whiplash. <laughs> you're like, we have a solution, you MFers. And then you're like, cool, the wonder substance. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> well, uh, it's all natural. It's vegan. Mm. When it burns, you can heat water with it and you can use the steam to power a big turbine and run all of human civilization off it. It's great. It's true. Yeah. But what if I told you, Gregoire, that there was a downside to coal? What? A downside to coal? Have you ever burned wood, Gregoire? I have. I've burned. I have. To my shame, I have burned wood. So I burnt wood in a fire, ignition switch, and it, it, there was an oxygen thingy, and as an oxygen thingy, there was oxygen, and it really oxygen's a thingy. Like oxygen is a thingy. It, oxygen, it is a thingy. Oxygen is a thingy, and it released a lot of light, and it released a lot of heat, which is also light, and it released some gases, and it left behind this black substance. This we call it charcoal. Well, there was some sort of black thing left over. Well, coal is the same. When you burn coal, what? there is something left over called coal ash. This includes bottom ash. Incidentally, I met someone on Grinder called bottom ash. Mm, mm. Uh, bottom ash, fly ash. Also met someone called fly ash on Grinder. Uh, and also boiler slag, who I met on Bumble. Now. First thing we want to do is stop that fly ash going up into the sky. So we wet mm-hmm. it and we turn it into a slurry, uh, or as I like to call it, an ash slurpee. And you take all mm. those waste products and you put them in a big dam. And no one gets to enjoy them. <laughs> sure. But there is good news because these tailings actually include valuable resources like selenium, zinc, nickel, Copper, aluminium, iron, manganese, cadmium and lead. All very valuable metals. And you don't even need to burn fossil fuels to have them delivered to you. They will, by themselves, leach into the soil and be carried away into the water table. So all you need to do is wait at the bottom of what was once a pristine waterway. And they'll just be delivered to you. (laughs) Good. So glad. So wonderful. That's brilliant. You can also use fly ash in concrete. Instead of mining new resources, you can bulk up your concrete with fly ash and it makes the concrete even stronger. You can Mm. also grind it down and use it in grout, sticking things together. You can also use it as an abrasive, sandpaper and grinding wheels. And it can also be used in the manufacture of plastics, paints and rubber. Rubber, Gregoire. Rubber. Could solar power Mm. make rubber? You think rubber just grows in the sun, Gregoire? I don't think so. (laughs) Ah, yes, Gregoire, Cole. You truly are a wonder product and I would kiss you. But, of course, for the heavy metals, toxins, radiation and carcinogenic properties. Is this a problem looking for a solution? As in, oh, no, we can only... We only if we burn coal do we get a substance that can be used to answer these problems. Or is it a, oh my God, we've got this problem. We should probably use it somewhere else to try and mitigate the issue of this horrible stuff. I think it's more a, we have a problem. How can we make money from the problem? <laughs> ah, ah, late stage capitalism. I understand now. I understood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And thank God that's the only waste product that coal produces that can be cleverly and ethically uh, recycled for the benefit of all. Huzzah! 
Dan, it is February 2024, and we are racing to the end of February. Ugh, yeah. Unlike most Februarys, there's something different about this February. There's something lurking, lurking, Dan, in our February that's not normally there. Is it a number that's divisible by four, but not divisible by 100? But is divisible by 400? On the head, Dan. This is this is a leap year. 2024 is a leap year. There is the there will be a 29th of February. In this case, it's the Thursday, the 29th of February in 2024. But why? Why do we have these leap years? Was the question I was thinking to myself again, going, well, I kind of know. I just want to look into it. But I just like, why do we have this day? Is this the best way of doing it? I, this seems like an archaic and strange way of, of handling a problem. So I thought we'd have a look at that problem. So what problem do you think it's answering, Dan, to have is every four years, roughly, we actually have a day? Well, the, if the Earth was a great big cog and, and, the, and the sun was an even bigger cog and they had gears that meshed into <laughs> each other and when they went yes. all the way around the sun and they, all, and they came back to that original point, the same gears would yes. line up. But that's not how it works. The Earth spins around... Uh, a, a little bit slower or faster than it goes around the sun. So when you come back to the same spot, the Earth's pointing in a slightly different direction, and so the the days on the Earth don't aren't divisible as a as a as an integer into the time it takes to go around the sun. Like so, you need to get yes. the gear keeps and slipping. Then- so that a leap a leap year is yes. is the gear slipping back so that it lines up properly. Exactly right. So we've got our Earth rotates on its axis and we've declared that to be 24 hours. It's not exactly 24 hours, but, you know, close enough. And, you know, we can sort of you know, put, we declare that 24 hours and it goes around the sun in what we call a year. And a year is going to be a certain number of times that the planet will rotate. We've declared on its axis. So in this case, we say it's 365 days in a year. Yep. And that's 365 times the world has spun around on its axis and that in its orbit, that it should be real. Well, that's how many times we've got back to the start point. There's 365 days to the year. Now, End of problem. The, 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 Create the calendar. Everything's brilliant. There's one little thing that you're, you're not touching on there, which is interesting because this, the Earth only spins... It doesn't spin 365 times as it goes around the sun in relation to the sun because if, if the Earth was stationary and it went all the way around the sun, there would be one day because the sun would be pass over the entire thing. So it's not just the spinning that makes mm. the sun go around the Earth. It's also the yes. Earth going around the There's sun a bit. But I don't There's know whether it's one more or one less. No, no, it's not. It's it's simplifying. It's not exactly one. We can talk about apparent. I wasn't going to go into apparent and mean solar days. I just thought that was far too confusing to start bringing in more. It's not really what we're talking about here. I know what you're saying there, but you, there's there's apparent days, mean days. There's different types of defed definition of the day. But if you yes, I don't want to go down that because that's actually not connected to what we're talking about here. It doesn't add. It's not. It's not what creates this problem. That's a different thing. True. True, so because the, if, if the Earth didn't move at all, no wait, if if yeah, if the Earth didn't move at all, except it just stayed lined up galactically, and it went yeah. around the sun, that would be exactly yeah. one day. Like that yes, would they, exactly. you wouldn't have to it have would leave be exactly days. one day because our day we should would be slow a year. the Earth down. No, because <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get back to that one very soon. 
the Earth, the universe doesn't care if we've decided that the spinning of our planet is the is the definition of our day. The issue is that the Earth takes 365 and a quarter days to go around the sun. Mm-hmm. So you go, okay, cool. All right, that's pretty great. You go, fantastic. We've got 365 and a quarter days. No problem at all. We will just have to put in every four years, because, you know, it's one quarter. So every four years, we just need to put in one extra day, and that will realign the two calendars. Problem solved. That's, Absolutely. Re- that's, Everything's a, brilliant. that's an amazing coincidence that it's exactly one quarter. And that's, that's what everyone thought. Everyone was like, this is great. This is perfect. We can do this leap year thing, and it will work, and it's, it's brilliant. It's like God and did it for us. Started <laughs> that's right and then people started to notice that things were slipping again and they're like wait a minute wait 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 what's going on why is it slipping why is it slipping why is it slipping and that's because it's not 365 and a quarter the 365.25 it's actually 365.2421 days it's just a tiny little bit under three and a quarter it's so annoying it's like ah university got us again and I so don't think God's bring- real again. I, I mean, this is a roller coaster for me. <laughs> well, he just he just hates us, one or the other. So they went, okay, well, now we're going to do this, add in the next bit, which is on a year that is, is a, a divisible by 100, we will not add in the days. So the year two, that, well, sorry, 100 not divisible by a day, so 1900. And, but if it is also divisible by four, then we will put the day in. Ah, so you have this weird thing where you go, is it divisible by four? Yes, I can put it in a day. Is it a? Is it by 100? Yes, don't put it in the day. But is it also divisible by four again? Then yes, put it back in. Okay, cool. And that gets us pretty close to where we need to be. It's inelegant, it's weird, but it kind of works. We have this sort of wonderful problem solved. Once we get to a point where it's going to be, it's, it's annoying to deal with, hopefully we can just put a big rocket on the planet in the right direction and just add it like do, <laughs> and just do the in fact just do it so it's just we don't have to have leap days at all we can and well that was the thing i was looking up is how could we get rid of leap days not with giant rockets but could you start changing things and nowadays we don't have to we can change things on the fly we have a lot of electronic clocks and things we can change things as they happen and this of course leads us to leap seconds people may have seen leap seconds before but leap seconds solve a different problem. It's not about the, the leap seconds have got to do with the rotation of the Earth itself. The Earth doesn't rotate. It's not a fixed cog on a system that's always rotating at the same speed. It speeds up and it slows down due to different effects, due to gravitational effects in the sun, due to things happening. It, it does actually take different times. So every so often, we have to add in a leap second. And we've added in about 15 leap seconds over the years to to solve this problem and we just sort of slot them in this is um, from the international earth rotation and reference system service this shadowy cabal put together by the international astronomy union our friends they decide basically whether they're going to add a leap second in or not to try and line up the earth basically because due to the earth's rotation changing whether we need to put a leap second in and so since in 1972 so it's 25 times there you go 25 times a leap second has been added and it's not done because there's no set way of going, oh, yeah, every so four years we need to add in a leap second. It's just kind of looked at and going, are we getting out, are our instruments getting out? And we can add another leap second. So there's a group of shadowy scientists just changing time as we know it, Dan. I, that actually kind of surprised me a little bit that we don't know more about them. They could be anyone. They could be sitting beside you. Supposedly they do have people in Australia. Dun, dun, dun. So they could be sitting beside us. Mm. Very, very strange. Leap seconds are different to leap years, one solving different problems, one solving the rotation of the Earth, the orbit of the Earth around the sun, one's talking about the rotation of the Earth and keeping all the clocks aligned. 
separate things. I did look into whether or not, why don't we just add in leap seconds then to try and solve the problem of the leap year? Seems like an easy way. Then a, a computer system could just add in a couple of seconds here and there. Of course, I'm an idiot because uh, you know, adding in a year over four years is a lot of seconds. We'd have to add in 79 seconds every day to our, our clocks. So a minute, a minute and 19 seconds every day would have to be added into it just to solve the problem of the of the um, um, the year being out. And I think people would not handle that very well at all. It would be very, very strange indeed. Couldn't you just so add like a that. fraction, a so tiny fraction to every second? People wouldn't notice that. Now that's they wouldn't notice a second getting a little tiny bit longer. You could actually do that. Well, it wouldn't seventy nine seconds so in a day. So yes, you could, I guess, but it would absolutely freak out all the. We have a very much we have a very set idea of what a second is. It's a standard. It's a scientific standard time, and to start changing it you'd really want to make sure that you got everyone on the same clock literally all the time and you can't do that. It would cause GPS would go very weird uh, unless you're doing it properly. It, it, it would cause probably a lot more problems than you're trying to solve, which mm. is a leap year problem. You do realise that this solution means that every year that the new year happens at the wrong time of day for three years and every year. Like that the clocks are then wrong. Yeah, yeah, but that's right, but... So, so, we, yes, so there's a problem. Yes, that's right. There, so, there, so every sec, every fourth New Year's is at midday, or when the sun is directly overhead. Midnight is happens when the sun is overhead. This is a terrible solution. So, so I, I didn't say it was a good solution. I was just looking for a solution. And so, if one, it takes one problem, a, one problem definitely doesn't solve the other problem. So, what we're saying is that the the Earth is lollygagging. It's taking an extra quarter of a day every year to get around the sun. So. W- we could speed up the sun. Roughly, yes. So could we do that by just pushing it in a little bit and making the orbit a bit smaller? Would that work? Yes. If we could move the planet in, and yes, it would actually increase the, the speed. Because, yes, due oh, to except laws, that then we'd yes, be going the, too fast. The time to take to go around would be less. Because we, we couldn't just push it in a bit because then it's going too fast and it would make a, a bigger oval. Because it was still going the same speed but then um, it was a little bit closer, it would actually whip yes, out further and it would be the same duration. We need to slow it down. Or could we, we, would, could well, we increase its mass? If we wanted to speed it up around the sun, we would have to circularize. It's very circular orbit anyway. So if you could decrease its perigee and apogee to keep them the same, so you'd have to do a corrective burn on either side of its orbit because it's, it is Earth's orbit is remarkably circular. I mean, mm. all orbits are roughly elliptical, but it is quite circular, remarkably circular, in fact. That's why we don't have – one of the reasons we don't have massive changes in our environment and human created, of course, beyond, you know, the seasons, which we're not going to go into right now. But, yes, you could you could have a burn so they could circularize the orbit that was slightly inside without losing any of its – velocity you could definitely do that and you could therefore be moving slightly faster to do it exact i mean to move the whole planet is, a, is that's not that's that is non-trivial as a way of putting it and it would be you'd probably just stuff it up the other way you'd probably go instead of being 364.421 you probably push it back and go suddenly we're 360 uh sorry 365.241 we'd probably go to 365.1 and now you've got the other problem like we just have to change it the other way i doubt we could hit it directly on the head we definitely, definitely couldn't. We definitely couldn't. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and say it. 
Why don't we get a couple of other planets? Because that would make it really easy to track, right? You get a couple of other planets to, like, pull. Like, mm. uh, so, so you've got three bodies. And that way you could use those two other bodies mm. to exactly <laughs> calculate. That would be an easy calculation to make, right? Sure, yeah. There's no, there's no problems with the three problem, three bodies at all, ever. Never, never, never. No, no problem at all. Excellent. All right, I want to move on, though, because I, I, this made me go into who's tried to fix this. And the best one I discovered was the French. So after the French Revolution, the French were like, we are all about not being insane and cutting our leaders off. We are all about science and we're all about rational thought and we're going to, you know, have new laws and we're going to not go crazy. It's going to be brilliant. We're, we're going, going to have a lot to- of homeopathy. Enormous amount of homeopathy. Really? What? Yeah. What are you talking about? So much homeopathy in France. After the French Revolution. Well, now. Oh, now you mean now? I'm not. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. So right. Their whole idea was to go. We're going to become super rational. That's what our our secret's going to be. And someone went. I know what we're going to do. We're going to have metric time. We're not just going to have metric for all the measurements, which was a really great idea. We're going to create metric time. And everyone went. Oh, it wasn't just a weird idea. They actually did it. They actually, they actually, actually, actually did it. Mm-hmm. So with metric time, I love this. So the French said, we are going to not just have metric kilograms and metric distance and all that sort of stuff. We're going to have metric time. And everyone looked a bit askance at them. Yeah, like, metric we're gonna, time. We're going to do metric time. Divisible so by 10. Yeah, absolutely. Make it easier so you can you can easily divide things into it. All right, what could go wrong here? And the first thing they said, okay, we're going to have 12 months of 30 days each, but we're also going to have five days at the end of the year, which are not part of any month. They're just called the holiday season, like holiday days at the end of the year. Nice. Or six on the leap year. So that would be the the catch up on that one. So Mm -hmm. that's the five or six, depending. So 12 months of 30 days each, boom, done, cool. And And everyone takes that week off anyway. That's exactly right. And and you have no idea. I, I, someone called it recently, I saw Betwixtmas, where you have no idea what's going on at that time between Christmas and the new year where you don't know what day it is or should you be wearing pants, which I love. And Betwixtmas is now part of my lexicon. So this is basically the French coming up with Betwixtmas before that name came out. So it would have been Lovely. brilliant. Brilliant. So that's that. Okay, cool. Sure, fine. Sure, that's fine. Great idea. Okay, well, that's fine. So it kind of fucks uh, over the Chinese who don't, really celebrate they don't celebrate the new year until like two months after that's true this is a very european style calendar very very true uh-huh and then, then they said, what okay, calendar so do they fine. use anyway do the chinese use our calendar some places don't use our calendar do they well defined use our calendar that they I mean yes people now i think the world has sort of gone into yes january february we all use the same calendar but they have different holy days due to lunar cycles you know like easter is the wait the first sunday after the month at after the equinox i believe so it's it's and so it's very much a solar based thing it's, mm-hmm. strangely enough it's a solar based holiday being based on the sun there's I'm something just gonna, to do with just yeah, point out the sun moons involved too the, the sun everyone yeah the sun being very powerful blah 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 and but some religions have lunar based the islamic religion has very lunar based calendar systems or, or holy days they can mm-hmm. all be worked out the chinese i don't really know but i'm, I'm going to say it'll be a lunar solar thing which is my guess at this point based on roughly what i know of it so it can be worked out where the, you need to do your certain rituals. So you get Chinese New Year late in, well, in February, a lot of the time it moves around because it's trying to keep to certain astrological and astronomical uh, events. So we're going to have 10 days. So three weeks of 10 days. 
So, but those weeks are going to be called decades, just to confuse everyone. So, yeah, three decades mm-hmm. in one month. Uh, okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. They've got ten days, and then we're going to have ten hours a day. Right. We're going to have right. So you divide the day up into ten. So each. Yeah. So each, t- each hour lasts for what we would consider two hours and two point four hours. Yeah, yeah, two hours and twenty five minutes or something. Yep. So ish. Yep. As ish. So two yeah, two point four hours would be would be how long your hour would now last for. Each hour is divided to a hundred minutes. Okay. And each Okay. And and each minute is divided into a hundred seconds. So how long's a second then? And there is where you start getting into some real interesting time stuff. Because everything else you look at and go, if you're working your way down, you're like, okay, cool, cool. That yeah, we can we can have days. We can have three weeks of ten days or three decades of ten days. We can say that we can break it up differently. You can mm-hmm. break it up differently into ten. We can break up that into a hundred. That's fine. It, it won't be it will be one one hundredth of two point four hours. That's fine. It's it's a different length of time. It won't be sixty seconds. But then you get to seconds and you start saying, Wait, if you have a hundred seconds in a minute, what does that mean? There's the basis. That's why it's the standard part of working out time. So their answer was to shorten seconds. Okay. You have to have a shorter number of seconds because if you're going to fit 100 into what used to fit into 60, then they have to be shorter. They can't be the same length. It's not going to work. You can't change the physical length of the day. So you've got to have a shorter second. And so the second would just be shorter than it is now. And the way it was, I sort of saw explained was instead of saying elephant one, like, you know, or, you know, Mississippi, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi for seconds. So if you, I always like to do elephant one. So elephant one, elephant two, elephant I always do three. cat and dog. You would just, oh, there you go. So you say cat and dog one or just one, cat and dog? One cat and dog, two cat and dog, three cat uh, and dog. Yeah. It's just something to make, so you know how to say it a certain cadence so you can get roughly how many seconds it is. So I say elephant one, elephant two, elephant three. So you would say elephant, elephant, <laughs> elephant. And you're just losing that last bit of one, two, which in my case doesn't help. Maybe you would say one elephant, two elephant, three elephant. Four mm. elephant. One, one cat, one cat, one cat, yes. one cat, one cat. Yes, one. Get cat rid of all the dogs. Two cat and three cat and four cat and and that would be the length of the second. And everyone went sure. Now this wasn't something that they said. They they just came up with. Went oh we'll never do it. This was implemented and was implemented for a number of years. It wasn't fully implemented because people pushed back pretty hard on it because it was confusing and weird and people were very worried about religion and all sorts of stuff. Even though they didn't have religions and they did, but they didn't. Yada yada. yada. Uh, but from 1793 to 1805, this was implemented for 12 years. This was implemented to some degree to the point where there were clocks made. So that people could, who could afford to buy a clock, could get the old time on the clock and the new time on the clock, so that you could have that changeover period between the two. So, when, like, like when Australia back in the well before my time, when Australia went from the old money to you know decimalized currency, there was like people put up little conversion things so they could work out how many shillings and pence it would be before it turned into Australian dollars. So there was a period of time where clocks were made so that you could convert quickly between the two. It was um, never popular. My wife is still, she is French, and she still mm. has to do conversions into, um, from uh, new francs into euros and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, which is great because whenever she's looking at something, the number means something much less in her head. So I'm like, I want to spend $800 on this ridiculous piece of technology. And in her head, it's like, 300 bucks and she's like yeah that's fine and then she works it out and goes holy shit that's this many euros 
So that's that's good. That's conversion, helping relationships last long, longer, yeah. much longer than they possibly should. Helping Dan so, get away with mischief. <laughs> the big resistance to it was actually in the decades slash weeks, the 10-day week, because people, you know, on seven days, God made the universe and all the rest, and, and everyone got to rest on the Sunday. So there was a very much a fear that they was like, you're just trying to make us work more because we <laughs> won't, you know, we're all going to work for nine days and get one day off. And people were like, oh, we hadn't really thought about that. That's a really good point. And people were like, you son of a, you know, you can't, are we just going to be laying around for three days? And they're like, no, 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 that's not going to happen, but we'll make sure you get the same numbers of holidays. And they're like, no, you won't. And they were right, you know, because why would a person who controls the means of production allow their people to get off days of work when you could get more days of work out of them? Uh, so, because yes. how many would you need this to work out? Like, well, currently we have three weeks. 100 and, uh, 104 days off, 104 weekends. No, 114. 112. Back then it would have been, well, make it easy for yourself. Back, back then it would have been 50, there, there were 52 weeks in the year. You would have got 52 days off forgetting okay. the, any other holiday because they only got Sundays. Okay. So Saturday wasn't a thing. So, no. yep. 52. And then you divide that by, so you now have how many decades three, in a year? 12 times three. There are, well, there are three French revolutionary calendar weeks to the month and there are 12 months to the year. So it's 36. 36. So yeah, 36. Sun- 36 day, yes, yeah. end of week day, decade days, yeah. If you just doubled that, you get that is 72. So they 72, should have just asked for two days off a higher. week. And they and they get a yes. little bit more time off and, every, and it sells really well. Yeah, but they didn't. No one wanted to do that because they Saturdays weren't a thing until much later in history. That, yeah, they, they didn't like it. <laughs> they didn't like it at all. So it fell over. As it wasn't fully implemented, bits and parts, and all over France, bits and pieces were like, nah. And finally Napoleon went, stop it, just stop it. I'm done with this nonsense. And everyone went, okay, let's go back to it. Also, the other problem was, how do you deal with other states? You turn up and go, ah, you know, we've we've na- renamed the, the month. This is the, the beautiful month of Tridi, so the third day of the decade of Brumaire. And everyone goes, sorry, what the hell are you talking about? Because no one else was using it. Because what they're hoping was the whole world would go, my God, it's genius, and then follow. And the world went, well, especially the English went, we hate you. We hate everything you stand for. We're not doing, we're not, we're not doing it. They did want to make all the months named after, instead of being after Roman gods and that sort of stuff, they wanted to name them after events happening in their in the lives of the people. So they'd say, this is the foggy month. This is the hot month. This is the harvest month. They gave them names which is very similar to the indigenous Australians and how they name their, like these periods. This is the, this is the hunting period. This is the hot times. This is the, this, you know, going back to the coast time. So that's pretty clever. They also mm. wanted to name every day a sp- specific day. So you, you could count them because people couldn't count. They said, oh, we'll give it a name. So you would know that you were born on the chili pepper of Vedemir. And then you'd go, cool. That's a specific date of the year that you, you definitely knew you, you were born on. So if I was born on the 26th of Vendemir, then I would be born on the aubergine of Vendemir. And Vendemir is the, uh, it's the first month. So it's the grape harvest month. So yeah, but you're not, very important. But for you're not born months. in the first month. I'm not. I was, you're down the arse end of the year. I, yes. I, yes, that's true. Yes. You're asking when I was actually born in their system. Yeah. I didn't look that up. No, I, I just picked a set, set one. You can look up online if you want. There's, the issue is that you can't look up where you're born because a lot of the calculators I found only do it for the French Revolutionary period because, of course, the days still change. The days all move around still. So they've only set it up. You could work it out, but I wasn't that interested. I did look into it, though. 
So there you go. I'm sorry, listener. I've let you down. The I days wouldn't move around. You've got the catch-up days. You've got the five or six no, no, catch-up you, days. Your days are still. Your days are still. No, um, in relation to the day of because our days move around. Like I was born on a Wednesday, but my birthday doesn't always fall on a Wednesday. Oh, that's right. Because we got the um. Yes. Yeah. Because we do have the leap year thing, yeah. and then no. Yes, and wait, and things. No, no, it was it. It's not always the same because we have different dates of the thirty and thirty-one, and we have we have twenty-eight and twenty-nine things move yes, around. But all I need to do is figure out how many days from the beginning of the year I was born, and then how many days from the beginning of that calendar I was born, and that's my date. Yes, you could definitely. Yes, you could definitely do that. Yeah. Absolutely. We should just get rid of months the altogether. Is, the problem. The, I was born on day eighty-six. Um, it's the it's the one hundred and twelve Star Trek of two thousand twenty-four. Well, to fix the problem of actually the day, like as in the days moving on different days, different people have tried different things. Won't go too much into them, but there's been quite a few uh, ideas. So one of them, one one of the ones I found, which I thought was really interesting, there's one called the International Fixed Date Calendar, also sometimes called the Cotsworth Calendar. And the Cotsworth Calendar, the idea of it was you were going to break the year into 13 months of 28 days each and then add an extra day as a holiday at the end of the year. And that would actually sometimes called year day. Um, and you would basically, that would bring up to 365. And then of course you would add in another one that you would bring in for your leap day, but it's 13 months. So they, they had an extra one called Sol. Between June and July, they had Sol month. And that would actually equal out so that your days would fall on the same day. So every day is fixed to the same weekday every year. So it was the idea is you'd always have so 13 months, with Seoul being a new month of 28 days with one extra day at the end as a holiday called year day or two if it was a leap year to solve the problem. It never it never took off. It was a big thing pushed in the, in the early 20th century. And there's another one called world the world calendar in the 1930s. A bit more complicated. You had quarters, so January, February, March, all the same months, but you start changing the number of days of them. The first month of each quarter would be 31 days long and the other two would be 30 days long and it would all add up and you just have to add in at the end some days again. But basically it was I of locking the day to the year so another idea yeah none of these catch on everyone points out that it adds a level of complexity especially nowadays when we're so linked to time the system works it's not perfect we don't have to think about it because computers can just update things we've got the leap day we can change leap seconds it's not a problem and religions that want to connect to equinoxes or solar cycles or lunar cycles can do that by looking up as you said you just transfer the date so none of these have ever caught on because the downside of changing the issues of changing around the world far outweigh the issues of what we're going to get out of it which is some vague idea of of making the universe look more like it's a machine when it is proven over and over again it does not care how we number things also it's a fairness thing because now everyone gets to celebrate their birthday on a weekend occasionally it's very true. What would you do, Gregoire, if you had a million dollars? Oh, a million dollars? Probably buy a house and almost be able to afford most of it. That's a good answer. But what would you do if you had 1.009 multiplagillion dollars? Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the crypto zoo. Scrooge McDuck is the richest character in fiction, Gregoire. <laughs> but we're not interested in his wealth. Ooh. We're interested in his athletic behaviour. 
Because what's he known for, Gregoire? Uh, yelling at his nephew. But I mean, more for on an athletic level. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, air. No, no, I know. Swimming in gold, he leaps from his diving pool into a big bin of gold of gold coins. It looks like, and he swims around and surfaces and even blows them out from like like water from his beak. Exactly. Now, if I dove off that board, I'd break my neck. I'd break my fucking mm. neck, Gregoire. <laughs> if any <laughs> duck true. did that, they'd do the same. Mm. I don't think Scrooge McDuck is a duck. Dun, dun, dun. Fair enough. And, that, and that's why he adopted the name McDuck, to cover his right. ancestry and ingratiate himself into duck culture. He's son of duck. He's not saying he's a duck. He's just saying he's the son of a duck. Metaphorically. Metaphorically, yes. He was born of ducks, but not a duck himself. Exactly. Mm. Now, there are mm. animals that can swim through water. <laughs> yes, famously. The sailfish can swim for a short time at 110 kilometres per hour. Mm. That is, that, that's much faster than a cheetah. That can, in water? Cheetahs can't swim very fast at all, Craig. Well, no, I better say, they're not. <laughs> so the Greenland shark swims at one kilometre per hour. Mm. That's mm. very slow. Mm. Now, Scrooge McDuck swims through coins. That is a dense medium. If you put a fish in a money bin, it would not get very far at all. <laughs> we need to find parallels in nature. I want to kick, connect in here and say, first up, if you, if you scale it differently, though, because water isn't, I mean, it's a liquid, but it's when you go down on the atomic scale, it's molecules moving past each other well, on a molecular scale. It's things there, they all can move. That's why you can move around. Mm-hmm. And so you have to push through the water to get, that's why going swimming through water or walking through water is harder. The molecules, unlike air, which also you push aside, they're more densely packed in and you have to push through them. You're running into the water. You have to push it out of the way. So if you think of the gold coins as a molecule, then as long as Scrooge McBuck duck was big enough to consider those coins as the same size relative to him as water molecules, he could just go through them like a water molecule potentially, probably more dense still. It's going to be more dense, isn't it? Ginormous. Would you need to heat it up? No, 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 I don't. I, I, look, we could, we could, look, we can have that part. I'm, I'm talking as is. If Scrooge McDuck was to gold coin size wise as a sailfish is to water molecules, he would be able to more easily pass through them. But Scrooge McDuck, I would assume, would be bigger than the planet Earth and would collapse under his own gravity, probably become some sort of duck black hole or something exciting like that. I that would be that the end of his duck tail. I'd, I'd, I'd get <laughs> Wouldn't the co- coins be really close together? Wouldn't Would they work like a solid then? Would you have to make them bounce I off think- each other really quickly? They're not actually connected to each other. I mean, they're, they're separate entities. They're not being held together only by gravity. Mm. So, but I can as long pass as they can slide through, freely I can past pass each other. pass through the air quite easily because all the air molecules have, are, are not dense and they're bouncing off each other and they go out of my way really easily. But then if I go through the water, it's a lot more dense. It's hard to get through. How dense would the the coins it's, be it's, even yes. when it's small? Well, that's that's... That's a good question. Like a um, sailfish they, can't swim water, through ice. No, no, it can't. But that's because they're bound. It's also bound together. Solids become a solid. They're they're linked up. They're linked. They're not just. Mm. They're in a lattice of some sort. 
you move through water not because because they're moving super fast or it's not that it's the fact that there's the number of atoms of molecules is it's, it's mainly empty space what i'm trying to say like the room i'm in right now it's not that the air is zooming around so fast though it is and hitting me it's the fact there's a lot of space between those molecules it's been heated up to a certain point and there's a lot of what we would call empty space between them but what that stuff that's not molecules so, so what we're talking about is the Scrooge McDuck being so big that when he pushed on the gold, it comp- it was able to easily compress the gold. No, no, no. Move, like the, the pressure aside. of I'd gold pieces. It. Yeah, it's he's moving it aside. But I think I think yeah. I mean, this it wouldn't work because he would it'd be so large. And as you said, it, if he started pressurizing like that, then there'd be a lot of it would turn into a liquid or into a, some sort of gold gas or something weird like that. That's probably not the answer. Then he needs to be probably a lot more dense himself to start going through them. Or as you said before, if you could liquefy the gold, he could swim through liquid gold. But that's a different thing. Anyway, I'll pass it back to you, Dan. Just a vague thought about giant Scrooge McDuck. And you'd definitely wish he was wearing pants if you were on that part of the world when he suddenly grew. You'd be like, oh my God, his screw-like penis is... Screw-like penis, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Giant screw-like penis. Look like a helter-skelter. <laughs> Terrifying. I just... What a horrible thought. There are some animals that do sort of move across the top of surfaces, like the sidewinder snake. Like, it sort mm-hmm. of skims across the top of sand, but it doesn't sort of dive into the sand. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a bird that can swim over the top of terrain, and that's the penguin. So it slides over the top, of, over ice the top of ice and snow. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it swims through. It can also swim through water quite well. It sort of fl- almost flies under the water, but yes. The, yes. Yeah, it also can waddle delightfully across ice. Yes. Well, it slides. It pushes forward and it goes swoosh across ice. So it doesn't just waddle. Mm. It, like takes a dive and goes, Whizz. but this is because ice is slippery. Coins are not mm. slippery, so Scrooge would need to create his own slime. <laughs> Something like a hag. Well, there are, things like, there are things like, well, there's things like worms. Worms go through the earth. They can, they sort of burrow through. Are they swimming through the earth? Would you count that as swimming? That's true. We'll get to that in a moment. Ooh. Ooh. But at the moment, we're still just dealing with going over the top of, of a surface that's not uh, right, slick. Okay. We need to slide beneath the surface. The sidewinder can do this, but only to bury itself. It, like, wiggles down and buries itself. It doesn't crawl under the surface. It just hides there. Now, moles, moles can travel under the surface. Moles can dig 55 metres in a night. That's about 7 metres per hour. I don't think that we could consider that swimming. That's certainly a lot slower than the Greenland shark. Do we know what the definition of swimming is? Is it just moving through a liquid... The sport or activity of propelling oneself through water using limbs. So that's that doesn't help us, though. To swim through a solid, can you swim through a solid then? Not, not according to this definition, which makes it difficult. Mm. Mm. Well, let's make but, our own definition. Said, yeah, no, absolutely. I was just trying to think, is it propulsion of the body through, let's say, let's say the propulsion of the body through a, through a, through a, a medium by combined arms and leg motions. So, but that could open up then that it would be considered swimming by digging in the ground. Or are you, are you just moving the ground out of the way? So you, you make it, you make a cavity, you go into the cavity, you make another cavity, you go into the cavity. That's not swimming. You'd have to actually grab hold of the dirt and then pull yourself through the dirt Mm. to get yourself into the next without making it so that you make the cavity with your body you don't dig a cavity and then go into it but then swimming you make make a cavity cavity in the water by pushing forwards through the water yes 
your body exactly, but you're not digging a cavity of water out and then moving yeah. into it. You're, yeah, you're not digging and then walking yes. and digging and walking. Yes, that, okay. So I think I think that's a fine. I can I, I can accept that as a swimming through a medium instead of not just water. That's fine or a liquid. Mm. That, but seven meters per hour is okay. very slow. Like that's 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 barely floating through a medium. I don't count that as swimming because it's digging its way first and then moving into stepping into it and then digging and stepping in. It's not pulling itself through. Well, why don't we have a look at earthworms? Large earthworms can move at 73 metres per hour. That's 10 times faster than a mole, but still much slower than a Greenland shark. Now, some animals do travel quickly underground, but I, and I, th- but I think we need to consider this. Scrooge McDuck may have pre-built tunnels in that gold. Oh, right. Yes. Now, there yes. is a precedent for rich. this. Several birds burrow underground. The burrowing owl, the rainbow beater, and the little penguin. These animals are all very at home about uh, scampering through thin tunnels underground. But you generally see the holes. Scrooge appears to vanish beneath the surface. Mm. Now, I want to introduce you to something called the pendulum tit. (laughs) Sure. It makes a nest with a secret entrance. They use spider's silk... To, uh, to make a sticky sack that hangs from trees. There's a big entry hole, so it looks like a big nut on a tree with a big hole in it, and that hole ends in a dead end. So any snake that pokes its head in sees nothing. Meanwhile, the tit enters and exits through a very thin slit just above the fake hole. It's like a magic trick. Yep. So it jumps to the hole and then goes, and in the lake, the mystery slit. It is a perfect disguise to prevent snakes from eating its eggs. Now, this solves another problem because it is hard to make coin tunnels. Uh, Like if you're trying to tunnel through coins, they're going to cave in on top of you. Right. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yep. But if you have access to spider silk, you can bind the walls of the tunnel together. Yes. So you keep it. Yep. So you make sure nothing else collapses in by using. Okay. Yep. Cool. I I understand that. So you have secret entrances in the coins that Scrooge can jump off and just slip straight between in a mystery slit in the coins and looks like he's diving into solid coins. And then he scampers along the tunnels underneath that are all held open by spiderweb and then yep. pops up somewhere else, providing the illusion that he's swimming through coins. So that is my proposition, Gregoire, right. that Scrooge McDuck is actually a very well-endowed pendulum tit. But why would he lie, Dan? Why would he lie? About being well endowed? No, 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 no. But being a pendulum, like, why would he, what, what's, what secret in duck culture makes him so embarrassed that he, that he doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want people to know that he's, he, he's not actually a duck. Like, what, I think, what terrible. I think duck bird's real racist. <laughs> like, if you look at the villains in, uh, in Duckburg, it's all different species. Like, mm. the, the ducks right. obviously yes. have some okay. sort of elitist, like, all your scientists and billionaires are ducks. So I reckon yes. it's, a, it's a con job. Yes. Yeah. You think that this poor, was it a well-endowed tit? No, what was it again? Sorry, uh, a very um, well-endowed pendulum tit. A very well-endowed pendulum tit had dreams. He just had dreams of one day being powerful and he told his parents, and his parents were like, no, this is a two-caste society, and pendulum tits, we can't make it here. And that young bird 
went, no, I refused then. And instead of, instead of maybe fighting, he saw how the other pendulum tits who don't try would just push down. He just went, no, I'm, I'm going to be one with them. And he changed his feather colors. I'm assuming he's not, they're not white. Are they white? They look, they look like ducks. No, uh, no. He wore a fake. He had to dye them. So he, oh my goodness. Every night he has to change his color, color his roots. He has to wear a fake, a fake beak. And he made his fortune. He was very clever. He made you know, his fortune over time. You know time. the worst thing he has to do each night? He has to get like a like a mm. straightening iron or like a, an eye, like or like a hair iron type thing and carefully wind his very straight penis around and around and around it. Oh, my goodness. And the only respite he gets now that he's made his billions, his centillions, whatever it is, how much money he has, is occasionally he can pretend to jump into his money pit and there he can like jump in and remove his beak and just and be himself for a moment it's the only place he's by himself he's no one's going to come in there he's got security he can actually like what are you doing in there i'm swimming in my gold no he's not dan he's just allowing himself to be himself for a couple of minutes every day and and i think i think that's one of the saddest stories we've ever told on crypto zoo for a very brief period he can truly be scrooge mctitt thank god finally two white men finally stood up and humanized a billionaire (laughs) 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 oh dear they're just like you and me only better (laughs) you have been listening to dan at smartenough.org also, Greg, at smartenough.org. If you hear either of us make some sort of mistake, please do send us the proof that we've made a mistake and we'll be able to do a walk of shame. But last episode, we didn't have any problems I'm at terrified. all. I'm terrified. I am terrified of this this episode, Dan, because I was asked two very scientific questions by our wonderful listeners and I've jumped into them, which means I've opened myself up to all sorts of horror, mainly probably from very, very good astrophysicists who might listen to this and nail me to the floor. But anyway, uh, I'm willing to accept that. I'm just, I'm starting to think, I've been thinking about walks of shame, Dan. I, I'm starting to think, am I a masochist? Am I a walk of shame masochist? If I, do, I, do I do this on purpose because I enjoy being hurt? Is that what this is about? I'm, I'm a bit worried. You know, I mean, if you're doing kink? it subconsciously on purpose, that would probably be preferable to doing it accidentally because you're a moron. Like, maybe that's true. So, I'm not stupid, I'm kinky. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> if you'd like to support the podcast, there are lots of options for you. If you want to support us on Patreon and you want to be level two tier, then we thank you on the podcast, and that's what I'm doing now. Thank you so much to Britta Rogotsky, Lindsay Jenkinson, Ilana Mitchell, Mariana Scott, Steve Stewart, Matthew Toy, Liz Y, Andrew Trousdale, Matt Ewers, Ivan, Gronya Maguire, Andrew Whitehurst, A.B. Greenbury, and Andrew Potts. Thank you all so much for being Tier 2 patrons. Also, if you're a Tier 3 patron, then you're Speaking paying us extra money so that, we w- so that I will insult you. Yeah, yeah. So, still Dan. This still Dan. month's insults will be VR related because I have recently got my hands on a VR headset. Ooh. And it's heaps of fun. So, the VR insults are firstly, Michael Kedar. You make my head feel like it's being squeezed. <laughs> Steve Eichenhout. You create an imbalance between what I see and what I feel. 
making me want to throw up. <laughs> and finally, Tom Siri, you, like so many pieces of tech, are only here because of a success in pornography. <laughs> it's true. I'm calling your mother a whore, Tom. Oh my goodness, oh, oh, wow, I wasn't, woof, woof, double insults. And a big thank you to our other patrons who I just can't touch. Joey Wesley, Al Batson, <laughs> Eric Wilson, Michael Barnes, Scott Driscoll and Morton O'Hare. Thank you all so much for being top tier patrons of the podcast. Thank you. We love you very much. Once again, knocked out of the park, Dan. We've done it. We've done it, Dan. We've done it. Surprising, but here we are. We've managed to make it through. And with in, with flying colours, I, I would well, suggest. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> and as we always like to say... Well endowed, pendulum tits! One of them, one of them, I don't know what island it was. I don't know where I was. Ultimately, I was somewhere in the sea. And they had one of these. Like, you sound like Captain Cook. I don't know yeah. where I was. Uh, somewhere in the South Pacific. At any rate, I upset some local ladies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and got murdered on a beach in the way. Got murdered on Valentine's Day. Um, the... <laughs> But uh, there was like a rope swing and there was a bunch of kids and teenagers and stuff swinging. And I'm like, I haven't done this in ages. And so I jumped onto the swing and, and I'm like, yeah, I can support my own weight. I'm like, I guess I'm a bit heavier than than I was when I was a kid. Because when you're a kid, you're like mm. 50 kilos and I'm like 80 kilos. Mm. But the thing about a swing is that it's not just holding your your weight up. It's holding your weight onto a rope as it changes the direction. Mm-hmm. And suddenly mm. your 80 kilos becomes me trying desperately to hold up 160 kilos as I go around a corner, mm. failing and plowing into the water at speed. And I was like, I'm not yeah. strong enough yeah, to do you, that. Yeah, you're accelerating and it's going to have to, yeah, you're, it's a pendulum. So you're going to have, yep. Forces. <laughs> just, yeah, invariably it ends up with people falling on their heads or yep. weirdly collapsing into the river. But a whole bunch of energy that is all focused around your genital area. <laughs> uh, that's what being a young man is all about. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that thing where your inner ear and your eyes aren't linked up is so confusing. You feel drunk immediately. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the reasons they do teleportations to, mm-hmm. to stop that problem of going, like if you suddenly were like, yeah, ah, your brain would just go, because ah, you're not actually moving. Yep. Uh, um, I never I never got VR sick, which is interesting because I thought I would, but I never I never got that way. I don't know why. I haven't gotten um, nauseous yet. I've just gotten oh, okay. very di- yep. dizzy, like that feeling mm. of a head spin. And I've been playing a little bit of Euro Truck Simulator. <laughs> Very immersive and actually a really fun experience. But whenever I have to turn a corner, like mm. you, if you turn a corner, your eyes watch everything slide to the side and your inner ear is yep. just like dead still and the brain's like, yep. I don't like this at all. So what I have to do <laughs> is when I turn a corner, I have to tilt my head in the opposite direction <laughs> and it tricks my brain into going, oh, so the inner ear is slushing up like that and it's not measuring yep. as well. And it's like, yeah, this is fine. You're not poisoned. You're within, you're within tolerance limits. We're not going to upchuck at this point. Yeah. That's, 
Most of it just seems to be just keep playing it every day. Don't push through because you'll just make yourself mm. sick and you, you'll be worse the next day. Um, yeah. But just get used to it because people can get used to anything. Yeah. Like people yeah. who are like proper alcoholics feel this all the time <laughs> and they are... Fu- basically, you want to be like a functioning alcoholic. But for <laughs> VR... 